like I said, we're going to start back up in Genesis chapter 47. Uh, <clears throat> Genesis chapter 47, and uh, we'd gotten down to verse 20 last week, if I remember right here. I've got it set up right in my notes anyhow. But to, to kind of remind you of what we, what we were talking about a little bit last week, uh, the beginning part of chapter 47 here, we have... <clears throat> Joseph bringing his brothers, or bringing five of his brothers uh, and his father before Pharaoh, before Pharaoh, and, and they were discussing with them, and ultimately uh, we have the Pharaoh giving the land of Goshen to uh, Jacob and his family there. We also have, uh, we saw Jacob standing before Pharaoh and had Jacob blessing Pharaoh and ultimately thanking him for what he's done uh, with uh, Joseph here and in, in the ability for them to come and to live in the land uh, of Goshen. And, uh, but then starting at verse 13, <clears throat> we started going through uh, the rest of the time of the famine, and we're coming up to the end of the time of the famine here uh, where we're discussing that this morning. But we noticed that... Uh, after, in, in, it's not pointed out directly, but you can kind of see it in between the lines that Jim had made mention of last week, that uh, many people will look at this as being the last two years of famine. Um, so after five years of, of, of people coming to them and, and buying uh, uh, bread from them, we have uh, now that the money has ran out. And so they came to Joseph and said, look, we have no money you know, to, to buy any more food. And so Joseph says, well, give us all your, your livestock and we'll give you food. And so they gave him the livestock and they gave him food. And so here the last year of famine, what we're, uh, at least that's what I'm supposing is going on here, the last year here, they come back to Joseph and says, look, we, we have nothing. We have no money. We have no livestock. And ultimately tells Joseph, says, all we have is ourselves and our land. And uh, in verse was it, 19 there, it says, buy us and our land <clears throat> for bread, and we and our land will be servants of Pharaoh and not die. Oh, no, I, I skipped the line there. I'm sorry. But buy us and our land uh, for bread and we in our land will be servants of Pharaoh. Give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land may, be, may not be desolate. <clears throat> so here the, the people are coming before Pharaoh, coming for Joseph and tell them, says, look, just buy us in our land and, and for bread ultimately. And like we made comments of last week, Apparently, at some point in time, these people, uh, the Egyptians, knew that this was going to be the last year. Or I don't know if Joseph had made mention of it uh, up to this point or how they'd known about this. And it could be back when, before the seven years of plenty had even started, when they were storing up the storehouses, they were telling them, <clears throat> look, we're going to have seven years of good and we're going to have seven years of bad. And so they'd just been counting it up and they knew that this was going to be the last year of it. And so now they're like, look, this is the last year. Give us, give us food, you know, give us bread so we can live. But 
at the same time, give us some seed as well so the land may not be desolate, so we can plant and continue to grow once again. So that's where we've kind of gotten up to. Any thoughts or comments before we uh, go into verse 20? <clears throat> so we're going to go from 20 to 26, and we're going to see Joseph's response to, to what the people have said as far as all this goes. Anything? All right. Well, 20 through 26 says, Then Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, for every man of the Egyptians sold his field because the famine was severe upon, the, upon them. So the land became Pharaoh's, and as for the people, he moved them into the cities from one end of the borders of Egypt to the other end. Only the land of the priest he did not buy, for the priest had rations allowed, allotted to them by Pharaoh. And they ate their rations, which Pharaoh gave them. Therefore, they did not sell their lands. Then Joseph said to the people, Indeed, I have bought you and your land this day for Pharaoh. Look, here is seed for you. You shall sow the land, and it shall come to pass in the harvest that you shall give one-fifth to Pharaoh. Four-fifths shall be your own as seed for the field and for your food and for those of your households and as food for your little ones. So they said, you have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. And Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt to this day that Pharaoh should have one-fifth except for the land of the priest only, which did not become Pharaoh's. All right. So ultimately, after the, uh, the Egyptians come to him looking for food and telling them all the things that they said, Joseph responds back and says, okay, well, we'll do just that. We'll buy you and our land, or you and your land. And ultimately, if you, if you look at it, he's kind of leasing it back out to them in a sense uh, on a, you, if you would, charge them a tax on, on what, they, um, what they grow on there and tells them basically give me 20% of it. There you go, sharecroppers. That's a better term for it. Uh, became sharecroppers of it because the land was ultimately Pharaoh's, but they uh, were doing all the work. But now they got to keep uh, 80% of it or four-fifths of it, however you want to look at it. Um, and, uh, but the, the one-fifth or 20% of it became Pharaoh's. But how, did the, uh, how, how was the Egyptians' attitude towards all this? Glad to be alive. Exactly. They were, you know, in some aspects, you'd think uh, you know, they might be very uh, disgruntled and, and very you know, upset because here, man, we've lost everything. But yet, they didn't look at it that way. They're, man, we're so thankful to be alive. And the fact that they, and, and I love it right there towards the end of verse 19 because it's, you can see the Egyptians, they're not, you know, it's almost like they were, getting so bored over the last seven years and not doing anything, especially these that would be growing crops. They're like, look, give us seed. Let us, let us go out and do something. Let us plant this food. Uh, which brings me to a point. What, why do you think, um, I mean, other than the fact of, of uh, you know, maybe it was just this, and I'm not trying to add anything to it, but other than the fact of, of um, just, just growing uh, the Pharaoh's wealth here, as far as the, their livestock and their lands and everything, 
why, why would else would Joseph, or why else do you think Joseph might have um, had had them to sell their their uh, livestock and their lands and become basically servants of Pharaoh uh, for food over the last couple of years here? All right, not he, and that's a good thought process because all of them knew uh, uh, when they were laying up for the seven good years, you're given. Uh, I won't say even during the good years they were to give a fifth of it to Pharaoh at that time. I'd have to go back and double check me on that, but I I think that's the way it worked out even during the seven good years. Now this is specifically talking about the Egyptians that are being becoming slaves of the uh, of the Pharaoh. Yes, and that's a good thought process. I never really thought about it that much as far as the Egyptians becoming equal to the the Israelites there as far as being slaves in a sense. Uh, Jeremy, what'd you have? Right, it's still building up Egyptian there, the Egyptian uh, territory or, 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 or what Pharaoh owns and everything. And all this is very good. I mean, things that, that you a lot of things I didn't even think of. Um, I guess in, in my standpoint or the way that I was thinking about it, and and, you know, and like I said, I'm not trying to add to anything here uh, as far as. Uh, what was being set forth. I mean, obviously, this was what uh, Joseph felt was best, you know, whether he'd gotten this uh, from God or, or he just had a, a very good head on his shoulders and, and thought that he would, and, and this was the way that he had it planned. Um, but I was thinking of it more in the aspect of uh, if they were having to pay for something and, and, and give for something, is what you guys were saying as well, it, it made the Egyptians realized that we can't just sit back in our easy chairs and rely on Pharaoh and Joseph to provide us with food all these seven years, and then the eighth year come around, they'd still want to just kick back and be easy going and, and not grow crops. But at the same time, like a like what we saw verse in, in verse 19, they were begging to get out and to grow some crops. Maybe it was because they were like, man, I don't know what we're going to do next year if we don't do something because uh, cause I ain't got nothing else. <laughs> but um, but that was kind of my thought process. But I, I love the the ideas that you guys had thrown out there as well. But any other thoughts or comments on that? Just and for, for a long time. Mm-hmm, they did. And it wasn't until, uh, as what Jim was making mention of, until a pharaoh that did not know Joseph came along, that's when they really started uh, putting the Egyptians or the the Israelites under uh, hard slavery. Just to kind of let you know what Jim was saying there is that it, during the time of Exodus, it wasn't even someone of the lineage of the pharaoh that we have now in charge. It was uh, a whole different nation that had come in and taken over Egypt. Uh, all right. Um, and as we'll see, as far as uh, <clears throat> continuing to flourish, as far as the, the Israelites go, this last little part of chapter 47, we'll see that very greatly. Uh, so starting in verse 27 and going through the end of the chapter, it says, So Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions there and grew and multiplied exceedingly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the length of Jacob's life was 147 years. When the time 
When the time drew near that Israel must die, he called his son to, son Joseph and said to him, Now if I have found favor in your sight, please put your hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me. Please do not bury me in Egypt, but let me lie with my fathers. You shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. And he said, I will do as you have said. Then he said, Swear to me, and he swore to him, so Israel bowed himself on the head of the bed. All right. Uh, there was a lot of reading going into that, and I've got a good little bit to say about that. But uh, to begin with, uh, like, like was made mention now, that Tim made mention of there, we already see here in verse 27 on how the, the Israelites are conti- have already started to grow and to multiply, uh, text here says exceedingly. I don't, I don't remember if I looked at that particular word uh, in other versions, but you can see that they are are truly uh, growing uh, uh, faster than normal. Would be what my my uh, thought here would be on that. So I mean, they're already starting to grow uh, tremendously. We see that. Uh, Jacob was he's living 17 years after the uh, after he moved into the land of Goshen here in Egypt uh, and uh, and there towards the last part of this we see uh, we see that that Jacob starts to realize that he's not going to be here much longer and so he he calls Joseph to him and I in in the way that I kind of uh, envision this is almost like you know if you was to uh, those that, that may be on their their deathbed in a sense you know, thinking about you know, the arrangements that they want to have done during their funeral or what have you they might call someone in they trust and 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 express to them how they want to how they would like their uh, their funeral to be taken taken care of and here we have Jacob expressing to Joseph uh, how he want, or where he wants to be buried at because he doesn't want to be buried in the land of Egypt. And, uh, and I think there's a good significant reason on why he doesn't want to be buried in the land of Egypt. He wants to be a reminder to all of those that are there that we will come out of this land is what will be said a little bit better here in, verse, in chapter 48. But we're going to come out of this land. You know, we're not, this isn't our, our permanent home. You know, we're going to be here for a while, you know, as far as the, the descendants of Israel here. But this is only a temporary place. We're going to go back to the land of, of Canaan. And so he tells Joseph, says, you know, don't bury me in the land of Egypt. I want to be laid to rest in the, in the cave of Machpelah, uh, or, um, where Abraham had bought it, uh, bought that that particular cave and a little bit of land went around it and um, and Abraham was laid there uh, and Isaac was laid there along with Rebecca and I believe it was Sarah I was buried there as well yes it was because Abraham that's why Abraham bought the, the cave was to bury Sarah but Abraham Sarah and Isaac and uh, Rebecca and Leah was actually buried there as well and here Jacob is making the mention, says, you know, take me to that cave. Take me to the cave of my fathers and, and bury me there. 
But I did want to point out here in verse 31, there's a little bit of interesting aspects here going on in verse 31. And when you first, when I, at least when I first read it, it almost sounds like that, that we have Israel, you know, it says, so Israel bowed himself on the head of the bed. And uh, you know, it, makes you, it makes it sound like that here, okay, I promised Dad I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, you know, to take you to the cave and bury you. And the way that, that my version anyhow is, is reads out, it almost leaves you with the impression that here he is dying. But then in the next chapter, we have him talking to, to others. But who, who has the NIV? Karen, read, read verse 31 for me. All right, so he worshiped, uh, the bowed here that, that my version has there, uh, Karen says worshiped, it's more the aspect of bowing down and reverence um, or worshiping or praying uh, to God here. It's not that he's you're laying his head down to sleep you know, forever now, but yet it's, uh, it's an aspect of reverence, uh, bowing himself in worship or prayer. Now, Hers did say staff as far as the, and leaned his head upon the, his staff. Um, from what I've read, and you know, I'm no scholar here or anything by any stretch of the imagination, but there is a small difference within the two words in the Hebrew as far as staff and bed. And even in one of the Septuagints, uh, LXX, if that means anything to you, as far as the Septuagint version, it actually reads staff. So, but regardless of whether or not he laid his head upon the, the bed or on a staff, it really makes no difference as far as, far as where he laid his head at, uh, just kind of splitting hairs at that point. But the aspect here is that he, he bowed down in reverence or worshiped or prayed. Any thoughts or comments? Given, yes. Giving thanks. thanks. There you go. Absolutely. I just wanted to make sure that we that any of you that might have had the especially like with the NIV there, it said worship, and I'm saying bowed, and, or if you were confused on what was going on there, what's happening. Because I get very confused sometimes, and I have to try to make sense of it in my head. But any other thoughts or comments, though, as we uh, close out chapter 47? Chapter 48. First couple of verses here says, Now it came to pass after these things that Joseph was... Behold, indeed, your father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And, and Jacob was told, look, your son Joseph is coming to you. And Israel strengthened himself and set up on the bed. All right, so here we have some kind of a time passing here. And I mean, it may have been a couple of days. It may have been a couple of weeks, a couple of months. don't know uh, exactly how much time, but it you're, because it says, and it came to pass after these things. You obviously this wasn't in the same day. This was some form of, of time period past this. But um, but anyhow, it was made known to Joseph that his father's really not doing good, and and uh, so he takes his two sons up there, uh, Manasseh and Ephraim. Now, just a little side note on that, as far as these two sons go. In, in times past, when I'd go through this, and I'd be in this, this portion of Scripture here, I never would put too much of thought process into the time stamp and how 
how old these boys may have been at this time. But if this was in, in uh, Jacob's last year of life, which I feel like it very well was, I don't think that Jacob was really living too much longer after this time where Joseph brings uh, Manasseh and Ephraim to him. But, uh, but if that's correct, and we know that, that uh, Jacob and, uh, and his family had moved down to Egypt within the second year of the, of the time of famine, um, and we know that Manasseh and Ephraim was born in the seven years of plenty, <clears throat> because it makes mention of that happening, of him having these two sons before the famine, we know that you can put the, the numbers together. And so the youngest there, uh, which is, uh, it is Ephraim. Okay. I always want to put Manasseh as far as the younger one. Maybe that's because of what's going to happen here. But anyhow, <laughs> Ephraim being the younger one uh, would be a minimal of 19 years old. Anything else anybody want to add on that? All right, next couple of verses. Three and, three and four says, Then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will make you a multitude of people and give this land to your descendants after you as an everlasting possession. All right, so first of all, I've got a question for you. Jacob says to Joseph that God appeared to him in the land of Luz, or at Luz in the land of Canaan. Where is Luz at? Do we have record of of God coming to him in the land of Luz? Well, I'll give you a hint. Jacob, uh, well, he did, but Jacob had changed the name of the land to something else. When he was uh, uh, over in chapter 28 and verse 19, we have Jacob. Uh, this is where Jacob was fleeing from Esau uh, after uh, deceiving his father Isaac and getting the, uh, the double blessing, if you would, of, um, that would have gone to Esau. He was fleeing Esau. Or he was fleeing. Jacob was fleeing Esau. Uh, he was heading to his uh, his mother's or his uncle's house, I guess you can say, his mother's brother, uh, which is where he was at for several years before he came back. But anyhow, he was there, and it was in the land of Luz there that he had put up a stone on his ear at his as his pillow, and he was dreaming and saw a ladder reaching up into heaven and the angels uh, ascending and descending on it. And it was there that he changed the name of that land to Bethel. I know I, I gave you the answer. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to go that far. But <laughs> so it was, it was Bethel is the name of the land uh, that Jacob had changed it to, but it was Luz to begin with. And you see that there in, in uh, chapter 28. Um, so it was in the land of Luz. Uh, that was the name of, of Luz, is Bethel. And when you flip over to chapter 35, verses 11 through 15, is where Jacob is re- referring to this aspect as far as God coming to him. And this was when he was coming back from, um, 
from Laban's house, uh, Padan, I think it was. Um, but anyhow, he was coming back uh, from Laban's house, and he gets into the, the land of Canaan, and he's there in Bethel, and, uh, and God comes to him again and gives him this, this promise as far as he, uh, this, the land becoming his or going to be his or be his descendants in a sense. Uh, and that's what Jacob is letting Joseph know of at this point in time. If Joseph didn't already know that, maybe he's just reminding Joseph of what, what happened here. But anyhow, that's the time that he's referencing, and that's where the land of Luz is, is, is Bethel. We'll try to get through these next few verses. 5 through 7 says, And now uh, your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born to you in the land of Canaan, or in the land of Egypt, before I came to you in Egypt, are mine, just as Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. Your offspring, whom you uh, beget after them, shall be yours. They, shall, they will be called by the name of their brothers in their inheritance. But as for me, when I came from Padan, Rachel died beside me in the land of Canaan on the way. Then there was but a little distance to go to Ephraim, and I buried her there on the way to Ephraim, or Ephraim. That is Bethlehem, all right? So the name there I'm, I'm struggling with is Bethlehem that's, that's called later on. So you, you'll know it as Bethlehem. If you know it as the other, then you're doing good. Jacob basically takes <clears throat> uh, Joseph's two sons, uh, or at least his first two sons there, Manasseh and Ephraim, and elevates them uh, into his lineage. Uh, he, he tells them that he's, they will be his just as Reuben and Simeon are his. <clears throat> so what's he doing here as far as uh, telling they'll be his as far as Reuben and, and Simeon are? Why did he feel the need to? All right. Why did he feel the need to, to, uh, to do this? Telling them or making that the statement that his two sons are, that are by an Egyptian wife or of the, the lineage here. They are definitely within the promise of God here and taking them on as that. That was the thought I had going on there as far as him taking the double blessing here as far as uh, Joseph bestowing that upon him. And uh, in another little odd comment that I was going to make on this was when uh, he's actually growing, if you would, the the uh, children that Rachel would have had as well. Because um, you know, Rachel only had two children, which would have been Joseph and Benjamin. And she had died giving birth to Benjamin, uh, which is, and he makes mention of her dying here in verse 7 uh, on the way to Bethlehem. And, um, and he buried her there on the way. And I didn't really think about this too much until I started really doing some digging on this, but you know, if you think about this, uh, Rachel didn't start having children, well, they didn't leave Laban's house until Rachel had Joseph. 
So after Rachel had Joseph, they started planning on leaving Laban's house. And uh, when they left Laban's house and they come into the land of Canaan sometime in that time period, and I'm not 100% sure how long that was, what kind of a time frame we had there, but we have Rachel having another child by the name of Benjamin. And so, and, and she ends up dying uh, there giving birth to Benjamin. But, um, but if you would, you, you kind of, I started thinking about this. And I was like, you know, here Jacob had all this time with Rachel and loved Rachel more than Leah anyhow. I mean, that was the whole aspect. That's who he wanted to marry to begin with until Laban uh, tricked him and, and gave him Leah to begin with and then gave him Rachel later on. But anyhow, that was the, his beloved wife. That was not a secret during this time or during uh, the book of Genesis here. It was pointed out very richly that, that Rachel was loved more. And so in Jacob's mind, I can almost see it as, as you know, he's sitting there thinking, well, she's starting to have children. You know, we've got Joseph, now we've got Benjamin, and then she dies. And so he was, in, in, in a sense, almost disappointed because he wasn't able to have more children by Rachel. Now, I mean, I don't know if that was what his mindset really was, but I got to thinking about that and thought I'd share that with you. And so here he is, in, in a way, growing Rachel's um, uh, children as well by adding Manasseh and Ephraim. Oh, legitimate children of Jacob and giving them the double portion. Okay, I got it. Right, because he, it'd be like him being the father. And the aspect here, uh, oh, man. Uh, <laughs> but just real quick, the aspect of, the, uh, of, um, of um, any other children that Joseph might have would be called under their name. It would be called under Manasseh and Ephraim's name because that would be they're taking Joseph's spot, if you would. You know, they're becoming Jacob's uh, children, and if you... When, as you go on through the rest of the Old Testament, you don't really hear Joseph as being a, a tribe because you have Manasseh and Ephraim as being tribes. But just side note of information there. Uh, thank you for your comments and attention. I'm sorry I went over.